Well, hey, how's it going? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Holy Donuts podcast. I am joined today by Clayton Grow from Time of Grace Ministries. Uh, super excited to have him on the show today. He is their director of operations currently, but brings just an incredible amount of experience in data, tech, backend, business analytics, all the stuff that every ministry knows they really, really need, but then kind of struggle with. How do we even do that? So pumped to have a conversation with him today about that. Clayton, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Matt. Yeah. In honor of Wisconsin, people who watch the show will know I'm usually in like, you know, I'm in Florida, so I can be like, you know, button down shirt, look professional. In honor of Wisconsin in the impending winter of doom that I'm sure you all will have, I busted out the hoodie today so I can be cold weather fan just like you. Thank you. I appreciate it. We had, we actually just had snow on Halloween, October 31st. There's still snow on the ground outside. And it was 84 degrees here on Halloween. So. <laughs> it, it, it was 80 probably, I think, three days before it snowed. Like, it was, it was very, very close to 80. So it's, Amazing, it's been, been a wild October. Yeah, yeah, wild October in, in Wisconsin for sure. Okay, well, do this for me, man. For, for people unfamiliar with Time of Grace, why don't we start there? Tell them a little bit more about Time of Grace, what the ministry is, just a quick snapshot of its history, and tell us how you got involved there and kind of about your role. All right. Time of Grace Ministry is a Christian multimedia ministry. And I typically have to explain what that means to people. We have a TV program. We produce typically one book a month. We have a, a robust daily devotion email that we send out. We do podcasts. We have eight different podcasts. And we, like I said, we produce books, but not just books on one topic, but we do 365 devotional or 365 daily devotional books as well, which a lot of people use to stay in God's word each day. So Lots of different types of media where we share God's word with as many people as possible. And now as we kind of get more acquainted with the media landscape, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can get people deeper into the word and form deeper relationships with people and have people form a deeper relationship with God. And that's kind of like our next big challenge. So yeah, Time of Grace was founded years ago and our current lead speaker, his name is Mike Novotny. And before him, our lead speaker who served us for about 18 years there, his name was Mark Jeske, who he really established us as a, a TV ministry. So now, now Mike Novotny is our lead speaker and we record um, him up in Appleton, Wisconsin. And, and we get so much energy from him because he's a very energetic speaker and he's super passionate about many things in God's word. And, and we're kind of trying to ride his coattails and, and generate as much content based on his content as, as possible. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me, how did you kind of come to Time of Grace? This is a ministry that you kind of knew about through just like local church or like, was this a, Hey, I got recruited for this. Like how, how did you come to Time yeah. of Grace? Yeah. So my background is kind of tech. It's more engineering than tech. I, I worked as a civil engineer and a mechanical engineer for a total of like 12 years. And I worked for a software development company and it was never really satisfied. I know how to do the stuff and I know that people will pay me to do those technical things, but I wasn't satisfied with like the purpose of what I was doing. So at my hometown church in uh, Middleton, Wisconsin, our current board of directors president, I played in the worship band with him and he said, Hey, we need someone with some technical skills to kind of help with the data aspect of this media ministry. And I had heard of Time of Grace before. I had basically got on their daily email list, read their daily devotional email. And so I was super intrigued on being able to use technical skills for a ministry. So he knew that I had those technical skills 
and that our ministry needed them at that point. So I was brought in as a business intelligence manager uh, back in 2017. And I didn't realize like how important the purpose of the organization was to like my job satisfaction until I started working for Time of Grace. And I've, I've never loved my job more now because okay? I am using my skills and I never would have thought like technical skills would be used in a ministry, but they totally are. They're, they're totally useful, uh, especially in, in modern day ministries. That's amazing. So I'm guessing there are not a lot of ministries who immediately think, hey, you know what we need to grow here? Business intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. Like, help me just, I'm, let me nerd out with you a little bit. One, for people unfamiliar with like what that role even looks like, right? Like, yeah. help us understand like, what is day to day? Like, why would a ministry need someone who focuses on business intelligence? And what does that mean to actually like how you do fundraising, how you do product, like all the things that happen in a nonprofit, how you deliver the content, the services that you all provide? What does that business intelligence role really mean to an organization? Sure. And help them maybe get a vision for here's what it could be in your organization. I, I think that can be summarized by a class that, that I took while I was getting my MBA at the University of Wisconsin. It was called data to decisions. So the, the important word there is decisions. Like you need to make the right decisions. And there is some merit to a lot of prayer and a lot of getting in God's word to seek knowledge. But like part of that knowledge is the everyday data that that we have and the ability and using someone's technical ability to gather it and then once you gather it being able to kind of pull out the story that the data is telling which is more fun than it sounds i greatly enjoy it it's like ooh, what is this data like i've got this big huge database i'm going to put it into something like tableau which is like this visualization software where you can use color and different types of charts and filter different things out in order to be like, oh, here's a trend that it would be impossible to see if you were just looking at like a giant spreadsheet or a big database or something like that. So in a multimedia ministry like ours, we spend money because we want to reach more souls. And a lot of that money is on advertising to use things like Facebook or YouTube or podcasts. Like, how can we get this in front of people? And to know that like when we spend money here, it is x number of cents or dollars per person that we reach and we spend the money here it's either lower or higher so we want to spend more money on the areas that have a higher return on investment which is like a higher number of people per dollar that we spend so making those kind of decisions using data so data to decisions is it's kind of the summary of that data to decisions i love that and so with data like we always you know one of the things we talk about with clients like hey it's kind of garbage in garbage out with data right? like yeah. you put in bad data you get bad decisions out right like yeah. and, and also one of the big struggles that we see is just there every organization knows we have so many data touch points right like so many places where we're essentially bringing in data so many different channels how do we even unify that data where do we put that like what tools can you maybe let's like go strategic Maybe we can define what are some of the most common channels that most ministries would have for bringing in data, but then like what tools, strategies do you use to help unify that data? So then you can put it in something like Tableau, right? To actually, you know, say, Hey, here's the trends we're seeing, or, you know, not to go too trendy, but like using AI to say like, Hey, let's use some intelligence stuff to actually use AI to pull out trends, but like just getting that data from all the sources. Cause I think every marketing or donor development team out there is like, 
listen, we know we've got stuff in our CRM, of course. We know we've got, you know, the Facebook ads we've run and, you know, hopefully the pixel will set up right. We know we've got analytics for our website. Like what tools would you use to start making sense of that data, getting it unified? Yeah, I'll start with a, a little bit. So when I became the business intelligence manager for Time of Grace, that was my first job in business intelligence for sure. I had done a little bit of software sales before that. So using data was kind of new to me, but I really enjoy figuring things out. Uh, just kind of the problem solving aspect of my personality. So like I had to figure out how to do my job after they hired me. They're like, okay, we <laughs> don't know how to do this. Hopefully you can figure it out. And to say that I, that I haven't figured out is, is definitely not true. Like I'm always learning. It, and especially if you're in tech, you're never going to know it all. And if you right. think you do, like you're, all the people are going to zoom right past you. Yeah. So absolutely. just figuring out, okay, we, we were doing a whole bunch of ads to try to get our daily devotion videos in front of as many people on Facebook as possible. How do we get that Facebook data into yeah. uh, a point where we can see like, oh, this is the return on investment based on the number of ad dollars for people that we reached, but also uh, compare that same data to if we were going to do ads on YouTube, which we, we, we still do a lot of. So some of it's kind of manual. In some organizations, you, you literally have people who, who control all of your data and they, they host all of your databases on Amazon Snowflake or, or, or whatever. But with ours, I don't actually control the database. I basically just gather it from Facebook or from YouTube. And or for a long time, I, I, I basically like developed a routine where you would you develop a say, I want to know these different things. I want to know like 30 second views. I want to know one minute views. I want to know likes and comments and tell Facebook to give me a report and I'll download that report and make sure that all the columns are right. And then kind of merge that into the, like the master database, which database in this case is literally just a Google sheet. So you can just do that. You can just use Google sheets as databases. If it gets too big, then you can't. That's where the challenge is. And then also once you have Facebook data and then YouTube data, they don't always have the same columns. So you kind of have to figure out the equivalent ones and use some unifying like linking data point, which typically is like the date that we published a video. So you'd use that date as like, okay, here's the linking thing. If I want to merge these two databases, I have to use that date as or date or like a, a video ID or something like that in order to, so using things like Google Sheets, if you don't have millions and millions of data points, if it's just hundreds of thousands of data points, you can use Google Sheets for things like that. But if you get big enough, like there, there are certainly some ministries where I'm like, oh, we can't use Google Sheets. We have so much, yeah, so much bucket or something like that for all the all the data that's living there. Yeah, exactly. Or even like, like SQL database or something that's more custom for your organization. Yeah, that's super helpful. So some of it sounds like. I mean, you know, it depends on the size of the organization. Yeah. Sometimes gathering all this data is literally just a very manual process. It's not something yeah. where it's just, I think that's why it's tough, right? It's because this is not something that often is just click, 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 hit these three buttons and then it all shows up. If it were that easy, yeah. everyone would more. But yeah. everyone does it because it's a lot of manual, consistent processes, procedures. Any strategies, any tips with within your like business intelligence, but even I know you're doing more with your digital marketing for time of, uh, of Grace Ministries. Any strategies that you've loved that have been really, really effective for you all that you're like, man, I'd love to share this with other nonprofits out there. Yeah. We looked at a lot of the data on like how many people viewed our videos and like, okay, if we, if we change the title, if we change the, the, the topic, if we, you know, make it a question, make it provocative, and we just weren't able to move the needle 
for the number of views on a platform like Facebook. We didn't give up, like we still share our stuff on, on Facebook, but we have kind of transitioned more to, hey, let's own our audience mm-hmm. instead of basically kind of like rent our audience from Facebook. Like we, we are at the whim of Facebook when we I'll share stuff on Facebook. Yeah. F- Facebook shares what it wants to based on the algorithm that changes like on the daily. So if we can own that audience and the the way that we are kind of currently owning the audience is to develop a robust email list. So we've been trying to really focus on how we share content with people via email because we know that we can send people those emails. That's about as close to owning your audience as you can because you can control when you you share emails with them to some degree you can kind of influence how often they open it based on the provocative subject line you can get on a service that really focuses on deliverability which we, we had been struggling with uh, for a while but now we've kind of realized the importance of like stuff has to be deliverable meaning does it get sent to your promotions tab or yeah. spam or does it yeah. get sent right to your inbox so email communication has, has kind of been the thing that, that we've really been focusing on probably the last two to three years. And we're still very much learning that, but I, I, I would advocate for email communication as opposed to relying on something like Facebook or yeah. YouTube. Yeah, we have, I mean, we have some clients who, I mean, literally just got a Slack message yesterday or two days ago about a client who just randomly their LinkedIn follower count dropped by like 60 people, like overnight. And they're like, wait, what? How? How did this, I mean, just any time you're renting and there's nothing that changed in content strategy or anything, literally just yeah, LinkedIn algorithm changed. So now we're dropping followers and horror stories of Facebook accounts being locked out or banned, or especially if we're talking about Christian ministries, right? Like yeah. Christian ministries had some who have their accounts completely suspended because, Hey, we put a job posting up and that's a Christian job posting. And now all of a sudden that's considered discriminatory practices. I mean, yeah. just horror stories of what happens yeah. you don't own your audience so that's great great strategy advice create a channel where you as much as possible can own the audience email deliverability just quick question tactical what service provider are you guys loving for that because i know this is a very recent development we just started using cupspot for email which i i don't know how common that is for nonprofits to use that but they like that is their bread and butter they do a lot of things well they've been around for a while they offer really good nonprofit discounts because it's kind of expensive. It's like, oof, this, is, this ends up being pretty expensive. Yeah. We have a few clients who use who use HubSpot right now and love it. And yeah. you know, to different effects, some of them full-blown everything for marketing is on HubSpot, which is a great use case for it. One of them even like their CRM is on it too, which is not super common in nonprofit. But hey, it's got CRM functionality. Might as well keep it unified. But HubSpot is definitely, that's always the thing, right? It's like, we love HubSpot. It can be expensive and you're kind of limited based on like what plugins work well with it. If you do have some other tools that you have to use outside of it, it's kind of like, oh, let's hub, hope that HubSpot has an integration there. Otherwise we're, you know, we're a little out of luck at times. But yeah, HubSpot, great for deliverability. We love a company out there. And I just always like to like, you know, not, no sponsorship. This is just for free. But yeah, they're called Action Engagement. It's a Christian organization. It's a business. They have their own, you know, email domains that they set up for their clients just to literally like give maximum deliverability. And then they're able to actually give you analytics because they work with a lot of other Christian ministries across like open rates for your audience versus like, they're able to give you real like business intelligence, right? We know 
percentage of your audience is actually opening emails from other Christian ministries. These ones are not actually. And so maybe you don't want to send to them anymore. So love those guys too over active engagement. I, I got to write that one down. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> they're fun little, uh, feel free to, to, to look them up. I'll, I'll make a connection if you want, uh, but they're great. Sure. We love them. So, um, all right. Uh, we are cruising right through here. Talk strategies. Uh, help me understand this. Like what's a, what's a trend that you're seeing out there, Clayton, in kind of Christian nonprofit world, marketing specifically, that's both got you excited, but then maybe let's also talk the reverse. Like what's a trend out there that's got you a little bit concerned? Yeah, I, I think, I think it's a trend that's not, specific to Christian nonprofits necessarily, but it, but it's one you, you can't ignore. Yeah. It's but basically personalization, I think is like, like almost every aspect of everyone's life is personalized. Like you, you don't have to watch the normal news. You, you watch the news that is that cultivated specifically for the stuff that you click on and the stuff that you spend time reading. So, so personalization, I mean, it, 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 it feels scary at first. Um, like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe for people just 45 and older, like it's yeah. still scary. Like people under 40 is like, man, that's, that's, that's just how it is. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, like, it's kind of hard to go back to stuff that's not personalized because I don't care about that stuff. And, right. right. And the robots know I don't care. <laughs> and I don't with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so personalization, I think is exciting. And I, and I think email personalization, we don't, we we as as an organization don't do it uh, very well yet, but that's the direction we're heading. How can we present content to people about the topics that they're struggling with the most or that they're interested in the most, which sounds like a ton of work and it kind of is, but there are systems in place where, where we can automate some of the content delivery to people based on the feedback that they give us. So we're currently working with a, a consultant uh, next after who, who put on the NEO summit there and they're really good at what they do. And they're constantly testing. Like that's basically all they do is test. And that's what we, we would also like to do is constantly test. So personalization, which is super exciting because it, it can get people like really deeply engaged in, in God's word based on the stuff that they're specifically struggling with. But that that's also like the, the big concern there too, phrasing it in a different way. Like, if we just give people personalized spiritual journeys, like are we are we just telling them what they want to hear? Which I, I think is that can be a danger. But so so if we present this personalized data and personalized communication that's based on the Bible in a way that that gives them the whole truth, but basically gives them both grace and truth which is a big concept that, that Pastor Mike talks a lot about, 100% grace and 100% truth, which so sounds like a paradox because you can't have 100% of two uh, things and like hold them in the same container. Yeah, But they're both so important. So as long as we keep that in mind, I, I think we'll be okay. And we're not just like giving people just all grace when, you know, when they don't want to hear the truth, yeah. like always having the truth in the content that we share also. Yeah, yeah. One of the, the illustrations I use a lot with, like anyone I talk with or we consult with or we're doing doing work with is we, we almost use, if you remember like the books when you were a kid, like the choose your own adventure books, right? Yes. Which are great. That's kind of what we want to do for personalization, which is if you actually, yes. and I, I know this because I have a six-year-old who has a goosebumps choose your own adventure book. Shout out Halloween yesterday. Uh, I don't know why I'm shouting out Halloween. I don't want to Halloween. <laughs> but it happened. Let's acknowledge that. So he's got his goosebumps choose your own adventure, right? And what you actually find if you actually deconstruct it is there's actually only like four or five pages that are actually customizable. 
Yeah. Like, and then like everything else is pretty much just a straight template. that's going to lead you back in loops to the same thing anyway. And so yep. but it's all about that striking the balance between, okay, where are the places where we want to personalize and where we want yeah. to feel very attuned to where they are spiritually and in life. But then ultimately we're still going to zoom out and pull them back to the main user journey that we want them on. And, and so that's kind of how we always talk about it. Like, Hey, you've got to have those choose your own adventure moments where it yeah. really makes it feel personal and come alive to them. But yeah. still it's got to, and especially for you all, you kind of have a spiritual calling to that, right? Like a real like word of God calling to say, Hey, no, we want to present the whole truth of the scriptures. And you want to pull them back to more than just, Oh, well, here's the one thing that if you're struggling with depression, we're going to talk to you about depression from the Bible for a year straight. It's like, I probably want to talk to you about other things that can get you out of that. Right. So yep. it really makes sense. Well, hey there, Holy Donuts listeners. Ever feel like your nonprofit's donor experience is like a jelly-filled donut with no jelly? Well, don't fret. We found the jelly to your donut dilemma. Enter WeGive, the software tool that's like the cream filling to your eclair, or should I say the glaze to your donut. With WeGive, you're not just taking a donation. You're rolling out a red carpet for every person who gives to your organization. And with WeGive, you get an incredible donor portal, events, pledges, surveys, segmentation, on and on we could go on the features. And those checkouts though, smoother than my attempt to make homemade donuts, which let's just say didn't quite rise to the occasion. See what I did there? With WeGive's innovative engagement tools, your donors won't just feel the love, they'll be coming back for a second. Because nothing says thanks for your dough, better than a world-class experience. So if you want to sprinkle some extra special magic on your donor relationships, check out wegive.com. Okay, so resources. Talk to me. I know you said you were kind of a, you were hired for your job and they had to kind of go learn how to do it. I'm sure along with that, you just had to do a ton of exploring, researching, reading, finding anything out there. What are some resources, best practices you like to recommend to folks who are in uh, kind of Christian nonprofit marketing? Yeah. So I, I think probably the number one resource that I had discovered through a webinar, I think it was back in 2018 or 2019, a lot of the advice that Next After, the consulting group called Next After, they have a lot of like ebooks that you can download and a whole lot of templates of like, here's how to create a great, effective donation page. Here's how to create a great, effective uh, welcome email series. And they have all that stuff that, that they make a lot of that available for free the concepts. And if you have the ambition to take it on yourself, like you can do a lot of this yourself. But but I, I did mention that like we're actually working with them now because it does take a lot of bandwidth to to create a lot of like let's say personalized welcome series or you know a whole bunch of these tests. So it, it helps to have people who live and breathe it yeah. and that can do a lot of that that work for you. So I, I would say that that's kind of the, the number one resources is next after which I don't want to make this a next after ad. But no, like, I, I actually but because you brought this up, it's come up yeah. almost every podcast episode that we've recorded. Like everyone's like next after next. I just need to reach out to Tim over there. Hey, shout out Tim if you're watching this podcast, their founder. Maybe you guys just sponsor the podcast because you're getting free advertising every time. So no, it's they're, they're great. We love them. A lot of connections I have are through their Neo conference and through them. Yeah. Huge fans of next after and what they do. Yeah. And if you ask any, literally any of our other employees here, you got time of grace. Like, Clay, Clay is the, the next after guy. Like he's always talking about well, next yeah. after this, next after that. Now we're finally working with them. That's so. awesome. Good stuff, man. Very cool. Well, yeah. Clayton, if, if people want to connect with you, if, if they've enjoyed the conversation, they're just like, Hey, 
I love like pick your brain or just, you know, grab a virtual coffee, or maybe they're up in Wisconsin. They're like, Hey, let's actually grab a coffee. What's the best way to connect with you? What's the best way to, you know, reach out? Are you on social media? Big kind of TikTok guy. What's the best place to connect with you? I'm not a big social media guy. I, I do have a, a couple of accounts, but I'm not super active on them. So since I've been preaching email, I'll just say email. So I would email clay, C-L-A-Y at timeofgrace.org to reach out to me. And I'd, I'd be happy to connect. I, I love brainstorming and kicking around ideas. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Clayton. Seriously, man, such a great conversation. Definitely something unique in the conversations we've gotten to have on this podcast. So I really appreciate it. Enjoyed the time. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us again. Okay. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. 